0: Welcome to episode four of the Brainiac podcast. Brainiac is a collaboration with the U of T Concussion Legacy Foundation chapter, as well as Concussion Talk. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the Brainiac podcast. Today we have Nick Eustis, who is our guest for today. Uh, Nick, welcome to the podcast. We're really happy to have you.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on it.
0: We're happy to have you too. I'm, I actually just finished uh, reading the article that you wrote last year for the Concussion Legacy Foundation of Canada. Um, yeah, tell me about that. How did you get uh, that opportunity?
2: Um, so I've I've been involved with concussions for a while now, and uh, um, it dates back to grade. I think 2014. Uh, I was in grade 12, and I had just uh, been forced to retire due to concussions. Uh, Retired from hockey due to concussions, and um, I'd always wanted to. It's something I'm passionate about, and something that I want to be involved with and continue to be involved with. And I had reached out to the organization at Western, the Western chapter, a few times when I was younger in my first and second year, but uh, I never followed through with it because I was a little um, nervous to open up about my story. And then I don't know what clicked, but I just thought it was about time and I was more mature and ready to talk about how uh, concussions have impacted my life.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm very excited to talk, talk to you today because um, to to the listeners, I don't know, Nick, personally, we've never met, um, but I mean, reading your story was incredible. So I'm excited for everyone to hear it now who listens to this podcast. So uh, do you want to maybe just take us from the beginning to talk? about yourself a little bit I know you were very athletic growing up
2: uh sure so I grew up like most kids in Canada playing hockey um I started off playing when I was probably three or four and I continued playing I had to retire at the age of 16 but I was fortunate enough to play a fairly high level for my age Um, I played in the GTHL which I consider one of the the best minor hockey leagues in the world and um, my team, I played for the Toronto Junior Canadians and then the Mississauga Rebels. And both teams were a top team in the city. And um, with the Rebels, we had a lot of success, including a few uh, GTHL championships, uh, OHL Cup championship, and an Ontario Hockey Federation championship. And I thought that... I was going to be drafted to the ohl or that was my goal was to be drafted to the ohl and pursue some sort of professional hockey career but unfortunately my uh, career was cut short due to concussions
0: okay and um yeah we're obviously sorry to hear that um mm-hmm. Because I mean, we all know that athletes love their sport, but if you also have that aspiration to go pro, then obviously that's even more disappointing. Because if I remember correctly from the article, you were in talks with some big U.S. schools, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, it was pretty exciting at that point in your life. You you worked pretty hard growing up, and honestly, um, I was kind of shocked that I was getting interest from schools. At that point and very excited so when i had my first school reach out to me that was a goal of mine to go play division one hockey and i was in touch with schools like providence penn state um, and canisius just to name a few
0: yeah that's that's crazy well um yeah apparently you were really good then i don't know much about hockey but um that sounds impressive um but so And and did you have concussions, like, younger, like, growing up as well? Or was it just kind of in that, like, latter part of your career?
2: Uh, No, I've always, uh, unfortunately, I've always dealt with concussion issues. But at the beginning of my career, even towards the end, they weren't taken as seriously as uh, they are now. Um, I remember I was probably 11-ish around that area. And I split my head open... um, it wasn't hockey, but I split my head open trying to find uh, something, and I fell, and my head went through a hook. And so that was the start of my concussion problems. And from then on, I suffered a few both playing hockey. I, I played lacrosse as well, and I suffered one in lacrosse. And then I suffered a few off the ice. Okay. Yeah, and- so I've always dealt with concussion issues.
0: Yeah. And, and then, but then it was more of those ones kind of in later in high school that really were yeah. debilitating. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. All the, all the other ones were pretty minor and I mean, I didn't really have symptoms or prolonged symptoms at all. And then, uh, the last two years of my career was really where things started to go downhill. Um, I suffered one in my draft year. So, your sixth grade 10 year of high school at the beginning of the season I was hit from behind and my head hit off the glass and it ended up um keeping me out of hockey for probably six months and I was in and out of school for three months I was or probably four or five months actually in total
0: so so you did take that one pretty seriously then right like you took all that time to recover then
2: Yeah, yeah, that one I took really seriously. Again, um, we're more knowledgeable about the consequences of concussions and how to go about treating them. And thankfully, um, my mom, uh, she was well read up on concussions, and my school in general was ahead of the curve. They had a a return to learn program back in twenty fourteen, and so that's crazy. uh,
0: Like never heard of a like that yeah that sounds amazing that they have specifically for concussions
2: yeah i was very fortunate i went to uh saint michael's college school which um we had a lot of athletes at our school and this woman who was in charge of the learning center uh her name was barb senge she had put into place the return to learn program so you would take steps you would go in on half days um If you had a concussion or if you had any symptoms when you were in class, you could leave the class to go to this learning center to either sleep or um, just try and start feeling better. And I spent a lot of time there. Uh, Unfortunately, I had headaches on a daily basis, and things such as just listening to music would trigger symptoms. So.
0: But wow, good for her. That's I feel like they need to bring that to public schools, too. That's absolutely incredible.
2: Yeah, it was again, I was very fortunate. Like, I I don't think I would have graduated high school when I did without that program because they kept me up to date. Um, She would reach out to classmates and get notes for me. And um, I had exams postponed and I was able to write them later on in the year. And I'm just very fortunate that was the case because I don't know what would have happened yes. if I, I didn't have that program in place.
0: That's fantastic. But it, so so you were really symptomatic during that time, but then you, did do you feel like you made a full recovery from that concussion? Like were you asymptomatic um, six months or a year later?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was. So oh. uh, it took a while. Um, like I, I remember days where I would just go ride the bike Uh, while my team was practicing and I would get dizzy I'd feel nauseous I'd get a headache but uh, all in all after probably seven months of rehabbing I was able to get back on the ice and join my team and uh, I I was symptom free for a while until the following year in September again at the beginning of the season um, I was hit and I started suffering from symptoms once again
0: Okay, and how did that hit happen? Was it kind of it, similar, like on the ice again during game?
2: Yeah, it was on the ice. Actually, I was the one who uh, who started initiated the contact. I was going in on a four check, and I hit the defenseman, and just the way we collided, I don't know what happened, but I think I was more susceptible to concussions at that point. Of and course. yeah, yeah. Right away, I knew something was wrong.
0: Okay, so what were your symptoms right from the onset? Um, do you recall, like, how you felt right after the hit?
2: Um, yeah, right after the hit, I just remember uh, when I hit him, like when we made contact, uh, my I kind of went black, like I saw black for a bit, and uh, I went to the bench, and being a young, immature 16-year-old, I didn't say anything to my coaches and I continued to play which was not the smartest idea in the world. But uh after that like I went home and every day after school I just remember coming home from school going straight to my room turning off the lights and sleeping cuz I just I had really really bad headaches. I had pressure at the side of my head um and just light would trigger symptoms uh, noise would bother me and
0: um, that that's it sounds awful and so and were you like open about this immediately or was this kind of like the coming home from school turning off the lights that was is what or was it an attempt to kind of keep it from other people and just kind of fight
2: through it yeah yeah completely a, an attempt to keep it from people um I mean, I definitely wasn't smart, but I was smart enough to realize that if I told my parents that I sustained another concussion, that my hockey career was most likely over. Um, So I just, I was almost in denial and uh, I was doing anything and everything I could to just try and prolong playing and see. uh, I think I was optimistic that one day I was going to wake up and my symptoms were going to be gone, but that just wasn't the case.
0: Right, and so what time? Just because, for myself and other people who don't know as much as they should about hockey, what time in a young hockey player's career are those decisions about scholarships and university liais- liaisons made? Like, uh, would it have been in that year?
2: Yeah. So actually, the the year that I was first contested was the the big year for when OHL teams, which is the a feeder league to the NHL. Uh, start looking at players to draft and then universities can get into touch with um, players about scholarships and so prior to my concussion in that year um, that's I had played in the beginning of the year tournament and a few um, uh, showcases and that's where I was getting exposure to those schools And then I was concussed, and all those schools were put on hold. And then the next summer, when I was 16, 17, um, I started playing in more showcases down in the States again, uh, once I was feeling better, and again, was receiving uh, attention from D1 schools. And uh, so that would have been the prime area for when they offer you scholarships.
0: OK, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine that just like yourself, there are so many um, young young guys and girls, too, of course, um, who are hiding concussions or other injuries just in the hopes of being able to like obtain those opportunities. So it's a lot of pressure to put on just like a 16 or 15 year old. That's crazy. Yeah,
2: yeah it was it was tough, too, because I had a lot of teammates and friends of mine who were being drafted not only to the OHL, but to the NHL. And uh, committing to top universities in the states such as Notre Dame, uh, Providence, um, Penn State, Michigan, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. So that definitely weighed heavy on me at that time.
0: And so, and so, when did that decision come? Um, where, like, when did people find out that you were actually concussed?
2: Uh, so it probably wasn't for I. I probably got concussed in the beginning of september of my grade 11 year and it probably wasn't halfway through october until um my mom confronted me uh she she had the motherly instinct and came in one day after uh or i think it was before a game or after a game and she confronted me and i broke down um, telling her that i'd been concealing symptoms for a while
0: Okay. And so what happened next did you is that when you went and sought medical help or
2: Yeah, that's when I uh, I went and saw the doctor that I'd been seeing the the year prior to that. Um his name's Dr. Comper. He was uh he worked at the UFT clinic, I believe. Mhm. Yeah, so I went and saw him and he uh he told me the obvious that he recommended it and which i'm thankful for that i don't continue to play hockey or any contact sport
0: okay and so that and that was basically the last that was basically the last time that you played ho- or got concussed in hockey right like after that you stopped entirely
2: um yeah uh, well that was the last time i played contact hockey or any kind of competitive hockey uh, I've played in the past beer leagues or pickup, <laughs> which is a, a lot more relaxed and uh, it's not contact. So I, I played that the last few years. and okay. I, I, I really enjoy being able to do that. That's
0: awesome that you're still involved in the sport in some way, though. Because um, yeah. I, I also I read in your article, you said it was so difficult to not be involved in the sport in any way because it'd been such a like integral part of your life for like your entire life right so that's um so when did you start getting back into it again
2: um there was probably a year and a half where I kind of separated myself from it I mean I was always interested in it and I was always interested in how my former teammates and my friends were doing but uh, I just wanted no part of it like I didn't go to any games um I didn't play any beer, like pick up. I didn't, I probably didn't wear equipment for close to two years, maybe like full equipment. And it, it wasn't until again, one summer, um, my mom's friend, uh, her husband reached out to me. He had read my, I wrote an article back in grade 12 and he had read my article and, wanted to know if I wanted to play pick up with him and his friends. So that was, that was the first time I, I got back into hockey, which I'm glad I did. I really enjoy being able to go out and play, even if it's just for fun.
0: For sure. And um, so, so after that concussion that um, unfortunately ended um, at least to uh, at a more competitive level, your hockey career. So how did you undertake the recovery at that point? How long did it take? And maybe you can talk us through the symptoms that you were experiencing, experiencing and um, yeah, maybe tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, uh, so after my the, the last concussion that ended my career, uh, I went back to this sim- similar um, rehab that I was doing for the one before where dark room for two, three weeks, no phone. Uh, I was going to physiotherapy. I was doing, uh, going to an osteopath. Um, I remember doing, um, what is it? Uh, high altitude training just to do some sort of exercise. And I'm not sure the science behind it, but I just remember doing that quite often. And after a while, um, I still had symptoms every day for like five, six months. And I kind of got uh, pessimistic about the outlook. And honestly, I didn't take it as serious as I I should have. And uh, I just, at that point in my life, I thought that these symptoms were just going to be a part of my daily, daily living. So I kind of just went on with my life as if i wasn't treating a concussion which uh, was not smart at all and uh, i ended up um, drinking quite a bit uh, and doing drugs to combat the symptoms which is a short-term fix but in the long run it just prolongs symptoms and is not the best way to deal with things at all
0: yeah oh my gosh that um yeah that sounds really yeah, emotionally horrible, but also physically, like you say, um, seems like in the long run will just aggravate your symptoms. Um, and so you were doing, like, uh, doing those things every single day, basically, to mask the symptoms you
2: were experiencing? Um, For a period of time, uh, it wasn't every single day, but it was quite often, if not every other day or days in a row. And, um, yeah, it just got to the point where, Every day I'd wake up with a headache or I'd come back from school with a headache. And the only way to kind of alleviate some pain, both physically and uh, emotionally, was to uh, do something.
0: (laughs) And how did you pull yourself out of that? Like, um, I can imagine once you're in that downward 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 spiral I mean and again you for the first concussion or that first really uh serious concussion you were motivated I suppose to get back to hockey but now that you had given up hockey I suppose you didn't have like a that motivation was gone right
2: yeah yeah well the first time around I, I had an end goal was being back on the ice and trying to hit those goals of playing pro or obtaining a scholarship and the next year I just I was lost I I didn't know what to do I didn't know what I wanted to go into or yeah. where, what I wanted to be. Uh,
0: so where was that turning point that you, cause I know you, you look at it now in a, in a much more positive way. So how, how, how did you make that change?
2: I just think with maturity, as time went on, I I got older and I, I got more mature and realized this is not it. <laughs> Um, if I continue going down this path, something bad's going to happen. And uh, I just think uh, having such a, a quality support system around me really played a big role in that. Like having having friends who were uh, good friends and a great family around me really opened my eyes to what I was doing to myself.
1: Planning for your next trip? Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: That's great. Yeah, I know many people aren't that lucky, especially it seems like the people around you knew a lot about concussions, which is also something that many people don't have. So um, it's great that you had that support system.
2: Yeah, I was I was very fortunate um with that. I have I have really good friends and uh, my family is was incredible throughout that, especially my mom. And uh I at the time I was going to school at Western uh which is in London and my nana, my grandparents live in London and my nana really played a big role in just uh brightening my day and making me reevaluate what I was doing.
0: Yeah. And, oh, and so, so you were still very symptomatic in like during your first few years of undergrad then?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, first year I was still kind of, I I was still dealing with uh, physical symptoms, but not nearly to the same degree as in the past. Uh, it was more just, uh, um, I wasn't quite there mentally and emotionally. And then second year I actually sustained another concussion. Which uh, led me to leaving school. I—it's I, actually um, the way I, I got it. Looking back on it, I just shake my head. I was coming out of the shower out of our out of our house in second year, and the ceiling was kind of slanted and low. And I raised my head back up, and I hit the back of my head off the ceiling. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. And a few days, like well, the next day I woke up and I was like, oh, God, not this again. And then for probably a a month and a half, I was just having headaches and um, all jazz again.
0: That's that's horrible. Yeah, I I can only imagine someone like you that's had so many concussions when you hit your head. It's just the most horrible sinking feeling because you're like, how long are the are the symptoms going to last this time?
2: Yeah, And at that point, I I was pretty um, accustomed to the sy- symptoms and I was pretty, uh, I felt like I knew, again, looking back on it, not smart, but I felt like I knew what I needed to do to deal with it. So I, I again, I told my mom December and I, I came home from school to just get out of uh, the university lifestyle and kind of hit the reset button.
0: Right, and so, but you were still able to go back for the
2: next semester. No, no. Oh. I, I went, back to, I went to back to visit quite often. Okay. But for a few months there, I was just at home, uh, working and taking it easy, and okay. just uh, we'll recently, put, like,
0: full time off of school. Then.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, my can my whole year got completely wiped out.
0: Wow. And just because of the the shower incident.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. See, that's something that people also don't, like, need to realize is that household accidents are... Yeah. You can get concussed literally, like, anywhere. Like, there is no border as to where you can get
2: concussed. Well, I know the vast majority of uh, TBI or concussions are sustained in, like, trips and falls, not athletics. Yeah. It can happen anywhere.
0: Sorry, sorry. Go ahead.
2: It can happen anywhere.
0: For sure, yeah, that is so true. And so, uh, when did you decide to go back to Western?
2: Uh, the following year. So when my my grade, I was supposed to be in my third year, but I was restarting my second year.
0: Okay. And how did you um how how was it doing the academics? Because a lot of people who are concussed in university, I mean university, like it, it's it requires all nighters. Like there's so much. uh yeah. Goes into it. So, how was that for you? Did you get any support from the university? Maybe.
2: Um, yeah, I got I, I got a bit. I I got a lot um, in second year when the concussion happened. They were very lenient with um, just wiping out the year. Um, the following year, I, I not as much. I was able to take write uh, exams with accommodations if I wanted to, but I didn't. I wrote um, in the classroom at the provided time so I didn't really need that much in that year okay I, I know there were um some accommodations available at the time
0: okay and so after this point was it relatively smooth like smooth sailing to graduation or did you experience another concussion
2: um yeah it was again relatively smooth sailings up until uh, last year Last December, actually, to be exact, I I just I seem to have uh, bad luck with it. But I, I sustained a, another one, um, again, just a, a minor bump to the head, and headaches came on. And for me, um, one of the things I noticed the most of when I have symptoms is just one the the headaches, but pressure in the side of my head is uh, quite evident. Mm-hmm. And my mood, my mood just changes drastically.
0: Yeah. And I, I find that, I feel like that's a less talked about symptom. So it, how does it feel? Like do you feel more irritable or,
2: um, yeah, for my, for when I was my, when I was in grade 11 and 12, uh, or grade 10 and 11, my symptoms, uh, I was very irritable and very aggressive Uh, back then and i feel like i was a completely different person like if you talk to some of my friends um about who i was for those two years compared to who i am now uh it's quite different and then again in last year when the symptoms started coming on uh i just find that i'm very irritable um Uh, again I have a shorter temper than I usually do or just my mood seems to swing like there are some days I'll wake up and I'm like oh god how am I gonna feel both physically and mentally like you don't know it's almost like playing roulette
0: (laughs) and I could I mean obviously that's it must be frustrating when you're when you're feeling like that for your family and your friends but most of all for you if you don't even feel like yourself like I don't like, I think for most people, that's kind of hard to even identify with to like to understand what that feels like. But, um, yeah, I feel like that sounds like, in some ways, is worse than a physical symptom.
2: Yeah, that for me was probably the worst part about it. I mean, I deal with physical pain pretty well, I, I'd say I'd have a, a pretty high pain tolerance. So, that didn't bother me too much. It's just the the mental symptoms or the emotional symptoms that really uh, took its toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, I just remember uh, out of nowhere just having like a panic attack and my anxiety was awful and um, depression wasn't too bad, but it just being super anxious for no reason, no apparent reason.
0: And And so I know that in the past, you would use like, adverse um, adverse techniques to uh, work against your symptoms so like mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol have you I mean I know that you don't do that anymore, so that's awesome, good for you. Yeah. but what type of things do you substitute that with? Do you have other mechanisms to make yourself feel better when you're having a, a bad symptom day?
2: Yeah uh, it's just simple talking about it. Uh, and again, it's easier said than done because c- I'm guilty of still um, holding things in and bottling things up. But I'm just much more open about how I feel and much more open about my uh, m- my emotional well being. And if things are bothering me, I'm not. I don't feel like I have to hide them anymore. Yeah. Again, I still need to work on it, but. I I'm better than what I was. And, uh, another outlet, uh, for me is working out, um, throughout my entire concussion experience, uh, working out was vital. Uh, I heard someone refer to it as iron therapy and I, I truly believe in that. So, uh, if uh, there are some days where I'm not feeling the greatest, I know a workout can do wonders as well as talking with someone. Yeah. I I think that combination worked well for me.
0: That is, that's fantastic. And also, um, I mean, you were saying that you were in a dark room and everything in high school after each concussion. Um, and that is, that seems like the opposite of, um like a very motivating environment to be in and a lot of people still just go and sit in a dark room when they may be better off with a medical professional's um advice obviously being on a treadmill or something right because um there's actually research now that shows that that can actually help not only your well-being but also the concussion symptoms
2: yeah i i still don't it, i i understand it but at the same time looking back on it i think That's a very dangerous combo for someone who's going through a concussion. I think we've all appreciated what social isolation does to your mental well-being in the last year. And even if you're not injured, if you sit in a room by yourself in a dark room for three weeks straight, that's going to take its toll on you. And then combine that with just headaches and pressure and already not thinking straight. I, I just, it, it's a deadly duo.
0: Oh, for sure. No, that's, um, that definitely seems like such a, yeah, depressing environment to be in and everything. So, yeah, I mean, the message that we always have is go seek medical help. Cause, uh, besides obviously you do need to reduce light and reduce, yeah. um, screen time and everything. There are so many other ways now to, um, recover from a concussion besides sitting in a dark room the whole time. So, um and actually speaking of social isolation, how has the last year been for you? I know a lot of people with concussions um well you're having to first of all do everything on a on a computer screen or most things on a computer screen. Was that a trigger for you at all being on a screen more often?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um being on a screen in general uh, has given me issues the last few years. Um so I actually I don't know whether they they work or not but whether it's just a placebo, but I bought a pair of the blue light glasses and um, to try and help with eye strain, but it doesn't. But it does, You whether it's placebo or whether it's true, you do feel like it's helping? At times, I mean, not, not every time. There's still uh, still days when I'm looking at a, st- at a screen for a while and I'll be triggered. Um, my, my headaches will come on. Uh, but for the most part, I found that the uh, quarantine has honestly been beneficial for my my symptoms. I think a lot of the times things that would bring on headaches and for me, uh, feeling in a fog was is a big symptom still um, where I, I just I feel cloudy. My eyes feel weird. And I think that was due to um, like over being overstimulated. Like, if I were to go to a, a sporting event, like, for example, Raptors games, really, by the end of the game, uh, my head just kills and um, I just, my eyes hurt and I feel completely out of it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like limiting that as well as uh, limiting going out every, like, going out on weekends and living in a, a university environment has been super beneficial for how I feel overall
0: that's yeah that's good I mean I I think that's actually we had another guest on this podcast Joseph um who definitely in some ways um his story aligns with yours and he said the same thing that quarantine was actually like a time of growth for him um and in some ways helped him reduce his uh, like daily symptoms so um yeah. that's great and now that you bring up the social social aspects that was something I wanted to ask you about as well um like how was I know Western is a Like compared to U of T, like where I go is a much more social university, I suppose. So, or, I mean, if you think about it that way, but I mean, how, how was that for you? Did you, did you struggle with that at all?
2: Um, yeah, again, I was, I was guilty of doing things that I shouldn't have done while I still had symptoms. Um, uh, I was, I'd like to consider myself a social person. And I enjoyed going out and I still do enjoy going out, but I'm just more, much more aware of, uh, the consequences and what I'm doing to my body. Um, but early on throughout my university experience, like there would be days where I would have massive headaches and I would feel almost pressured or, um, I would just again, drink to the point where I didn't have symptoms just to go out. And that's just insane to me, looking back on it. Um,
0: and, and so what about the next day? I guess if you're – if I, I can only imagine that if you're concussed and you're hungover yeah. that it's like a like a,
2: a devilish duo. Like it must be like – Yeah, it definitely didn't feel good. It definitely didn't feel good. Yeah. I think uh, there's something to be said uh, about just – Um, not only the university environment, you kind of feel peer pressure to a certain extent, but uh, also there tends to be a a culture within hockey, lacrosse, football, any of those sports where um, partying or going out with your team is, uh, is encouraged. And I think a lot of kids at a younger age get sucked into that and kind of ignore, myself included, you ignore like, hey, um, you have had a massive headache all day, you probably shouldn't do this. But at that point in my life, I just, I didn't listen to my body and just kind of powered through it until I couldn't, I didn't really feel the headache.
0: And I, I know that, um, you said your family and your hockey friends and also people at St. Mike's were really, um, like knowledgeable and supportive about concussions. What, how was that in university? Did people kind of understand, do you feel like people understood how you were feeling or, or was the environment different that way?
2: Uh, yeah, I think they they did understand. I just, I don't think I was vocal of how I was feeling again. It, uh, it wasn't up until recently, like the last few years where, um, I would actually express how I was truly feeling both physically and mentally. So if they had known that um, I was still suffering from symptoms, I think they would have taken me aside and said, hey, this is probably not the smartest thing in the world. Yeah, I know I I would, and I'd encourage anyone who's in that situation to just, it's not worth it at all.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's such a, such a good message. Every, I, most people I think who have like a similar story to you, or at least a story that, that holds the same weight in their life, like they're still dealing with it, says the same thing that they just did things that were so not worth it. So I think that drives it home. But so, and, and so I understand that when you get hit or a small hit, um, to the head, like, you know, like hitting your car on, your head on your car door or something would start symptoms up for you. But do you still have symptoms anyway? Like on a daily, a normal day for you, are you symptomatic every single day or is it more now on like a weekly, monthly basis?
2: I'd say it's still on a weekly basis or again, the last little while, maybe biweekly, but uh, I still definitely deal with symptoms, which is is annoying. And that's why I, I preach to younger people like hey take care of yourself I mean it's been eight years almost since I last played hockey competitively and I'm dealing with the lingering effects
0: yeah and and so um yeah I mean on that note what would be your like lasting statement I guess for people listening who maybe you know are dealing with a concussion um if you had to like concisely tell them what tell them something what would you say
2: i'd say just be honest with yourself and honest with those around you and um again if you have a a a good support system around you they'll they'll be supportive of of how you're feeling and do what's best for you but it, it all starts with with you um if you're not honest with yourself and you're you're in denial about how you're feeling, then I mean, it's you're not going to help yourself.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, just be, be honest. If you have headaches, do what you need to do and take care of yourself because you don't want to be five years down the road and still dealing with
1: it.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. It's so great that people like you are like preaching this, um, to others because you just are an example, right? I mean, you, you said that last hockey concussion was like eight years ago. So that's, I mean, it is like a pretty crazy amount of time to still be dealing with it, but unfortunately that is the reality for a fair amount of people. Um, and so my, probably my last question for you, Nick is, um, besides like helping, uh, people in this way, which we appreciate so much. Um, have you thought about, I know a lot of people who have, really serious concussion backgrounds like yourself try to, um, you know, make a career out of it or like long-term, they want to be involved with people that have concussions. Um, is that something that you've considered or that you're doing?
2: Yeah. So I did, I did strongly consider that I, I, at one point I wanted to go into, uh, just, I, I enjoy helping people in general. Uh, that brings me a lot of joy. So I wanted to go into psych and, maybe become a counselor for more than people with just dealing with concussions, uh, just with, uh, mental health in general. Um, I, I don't think I'll, I'll pursue the concussion aspect as a career, but it will definitely be something that I'm always involved with. Uh, it's something that I'm passionate about and something that I think, even if I help out one or two kids, Something that'll bring me joy. And so that's I mean, I've been involved with it since twenty fourteen and I, I plan on continuing to be involved. Um
1: yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I have so much re- I have so much respect for that and I don't like I'm sure you have helped more than just one or two uh, people because I think I mean everybody that listens to this, everybody that listen that reads your article online, everybody that talks to you, I mean Concussions are so common. So um I'm sure whenever I hear a story like this, I don't forget it. Like I always think back to that because it is just so profound to still be dealing with that for so many years later. And I do think that really sticks in people's minds. So I, I think you're doing a lot of good. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us.
2: No problem. Thank you very much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. No,
0: we no, we we're so happy to have you. So thank you again.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: This program is sponsored by HeadCheck Health, who bridges the gap in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by bensound.com.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.